and there's just so much research that proves that many of the common chronic diseases like we've mentioned like heart disease and type 2 diabetes are caused by unhealthy diets and so there really is just so much evidence to show that healthy plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle factors can go a really long way to prevent these diseases. As soon as you change your diet and become vegan everyone has all these questions that takes time to be able to answer coherently and confidently the benefits are for our own health the planet and of course the animals. Welcome back to another episode of the Plant-Based News Podcast. Joining me today is not only one, but two exciting guests, plant-based nutrition specialists and co-founders of the Plant-Based Health Online, Dr. Shireen Kassam and Dr. Laura Freeman. Dr. Shireen Kassam is a consultant hematologist and honorary senior lecturer at King's College Hospital London, with a specialist interest in the treatment of lymphoma. Shireen is passionate about promoting plant-based nutrition for the prevention and reversal of chronic disease and for maintaining optimal health after treatment for cancer. In 2018, she founded Plant-Based Health Professionals UK, a non-profit organization whose mission is to provide evidence-based education on plant-based nutrition. Shireen's research has been published in a number of peer-reviewed papers and her first book, Eating Plant-Based, Scientific Answers to Your Nutrition Questions, was published in January 2022. Dr. Laura Freeman is a certified lifestyle medicine physician and a medical director of Plant-Based Health Online. She obtained her medical degree from the University of Edinburgh in 2006 and completed her vocational training in general practice in 2011. Both within and outside of her general practice, Dr. Freeman has developed a strong interest for plant-based nutrition and optimizing health through lifestyle choices. In 2019, Dr. Freeman became a diplomat of the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine and a certified Complete Health Improvement Program Practitioner. Their joint venture, Plant-Based Health Online, was launched in 2021 with the aim to provide a lifestyle medicine healthcare service that has successfully proven to achieve improved health outcomes. Plant-Based Health Online is also the UK's first Care Quality Commission registered online plant-based lifestyle medicine healthcare service. I am thrilled to have the opportunity to speak to Dr. Shireen and Dr. Laura about the work they both do as plant-based health professionals and their joint venture, Plant-Based Health Online. I'm Robbie Lockie and this is the PBN Podcast. As always, don't forget to comment, like and share. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It really helps get the message out there. Let's get to the episode. Thanks so much for joining us on the Plant-Based News Podcast, both. Really great to sit down with you guys and to hear a little bit about your story. Great to be here, Robbie. Yeah, thanks for having me too. The x-axis shows the carbon emissions from the food that we eat and at the top is listed all of the animal products. At the bottom, the lowest environmental impact is every single plant food you can think of. Regardless of the way we produce it, how we transport it, every choice you make to consume a plant-based product has significantly less carbon footprint than any single animal food, regardless of how you produce and transport it. However, as I say, most of our resources are going to raising animals for food, yet on a global level, this animal food only supplies us with 18% of calories and 37% of protein. So something is very wrong. Before we get started and talk about all the amazing things that you've both been doing in recent times, let's go back in time and let's hear your plant-based or vegan story. How did you discover this lifestyle? Uh, let's start with you, Shireen. Well, I had been vegetarian since 2001 and I decided I didn't want to eat animals, but it took me quite a while to make the connection between the dairy and the egg industry and the cruelty that's involved in that. So it was back in 2013 where I sort of educated myself, was exposed to the truth behind the egg and dairy industry and decided it no longer 
fitted with my moral and ethical beliefs. And so I gave up eggs and dairy too and became vegan. And from there, um, given my background in science and as a medical doctor, I started delving into the literature on um, the impacts of a plant-based diet on health outcomes and was overwhelmed and shocked by the the level of detail there is in the literature to support a plant-based diet for supporting optimal human health. Um, And that's where my future activities came from. Amazing. Thank you so much. Laura, over to you. Yeah. And so for me, everything kind of changed when as a doctor, I became a patient, actually. Um, This was almost six years ago. So it was in my second pregnancy, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Um, And then when I was being worked up um, just before my surgery, because I had to have my thyroid removed, I discovered that I had really high cholesterol. And so that was really surprising for me because I thought that I was following a healthy diet and I enjoyed exercise. I thought I had a really healthy lifestyle. Um, And so when I started to, to research about cancer risk reduction and lowering cholesterol levels that's kind of when I stumbled on plant-based nutrition and you know, I hadn't received any nutrition training or hardly any as a as a medical doctor or as a GP trainee and so it was really um, compelling for me to discover all this evidence behind plant-based nutrition and there was really no going back from there. Once I kind of put in place all the changes for my own diet then I started to feel like if I didn't discuss it with my patients I wasn't doing my job properly or at least you know they deserved to know that there was a different option or you know there was other information available to them and then when I started to input and implement these things with my patients and started to see success I mean there's really been no going back from there so I've really focused on plant-based nutrition for myself and for my patients since then. It's amazing and it's so inspiring and kind of encouraging to hear doctors such as yourselves making a shift in this way because I think for the most part for for, for many doctors as you've mentioned Laura there is no training or very little training with regards to plant-based nutrition or any nutrition for that matter doctors get all their knowledge at the same place everyone else does from the TV or the media or newspapers or magazines and it's frankly shocking and scary that the people that we go to for our health and wellness haven't been empowered with the knowledge uh, in lifestyle medicine because we you know over at Plant Based News we get story after story after story of people who have completely transformed their health and their well-being and not just physical but mental as well making a switch to a whole food plant-based diet which we'll talk about in, in great detail in this episode so thank you you both for for sharing your story. So what does the World Cancer Research Fund recommend for cancer prevention? Well there are nine factors and this wasn't written by a vegan or somebody on a plant-based diet but the factors they've come up with include a diet that's rich in whole grains, vegetables, fruits and beans but in addition it's essential to be a healthy weight, be physically active, limit the consumption of processed food and sugary sweetened beverages, limit, I would say avoid, red and processed meat, limit alcohol consumption because sadly there is no safe limit for alcohol consumption when it comes to cancer prevention. If you're a mother then breastfeed if you can because there's benefits for you and the baby. And after a diagnosis of cancer there's probably enough evidence to recommend all these nine factors to improve your chances of remission and to improve survival. The first question really is, to, is over to you, Shirin, is in your work and your advocacy to prevent illness and things like cancer, some of the research points to the fact that some 40% of cases could be prevented through diet and lifestyle. What are some of the ways in which we as people can reduce the risk of cancer if we get cancer? And how can we reduce the chances of it ever coming back? It's such an important question about ways that we can um, empower ourselves to prevent and survive better after diagnosis of cancer, because the statistics are fairly 
fairly shocking. You know, one in two of us, certainly in the UK, born after 1960, will get cancer in our lifetime. But as you rightly say, 40% of cases could be prevented through a healthy lifestyle approach, which of course includes a healthy plant-based diet. What we've known about for decades is that the risk factors for cancer include tobacco smoking, alcohol consumption, carrying too much weight, not eating enough healthy plant foods like fruits and vegetables, and certainly being deficient in fiber, not getting enough physical activity and unsafe exposure to the sun. So all of those factors together, if we paid attention to it and made sure that everyone in our society had access to this knowledge and the ability to take up these healthy activities, we could significantly reduce the risk of cancer. And bringing it back to the topic that myself and Laura are so passionate about, you know, all the guidelines, the World Cancer Research Fund guidelines, the American Cancer Society guidelines clearly states that the foods associated with a reduction in the risk of cancer are fruits vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds. And that to us is clearly a whole food plant-based diet. Everything else around the edges is not contributing to our health and may even be increasing the risk of cancer. Could you talk a bit about the effect that meat and dairy products have on us as a human, as an organism, and how a plant-based diet compares to these two very different diets? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting topic to delve into. Um, There's different ways of looking at it. And, you know, I guess as practicing clinicians, we want to be able to tell our patients about the potential health gains or the benefits that you might get from choosing a healthful plant-based diet. And so what the science tells us is that when you progressively reduce and remove animal products from the diet and move as much as you can towards a plant-based or a healthy vegan diet, you significantly reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, dementia, certain cancers, and um, autoimmune conditions uh, uh, as well. And there's been studies that have delved into the mechanisms at play. And essentially, most of our chronic illnesses um, share those same mechanisms that are driven by unhealthy diet and and lifestyle. So um, for For example, we know that a meat-heavy and dairy-heavy diet will increase your risk of inflammation and cellular stress, known as oxidative stress. It'll um, create an unhealthy gut microbiome. It'll give you insulin resistance and and dysregulation of your glucose um, control. It'll elevate your blood lipid levels. And we even know that certain compounds within the meat can damage, directly damage the DNA, particularly in the gut lining, which then leads to increased risk of cancer. And, you know, we know the opposite is true. If you change towards a plant-based diet, because it's full of the healthful compounds like fiber and all the vitamins and minerals and micronutrients, hundreds of which we probably haven't even discovered yet, you can reduce inflammation and the cellular stress. And a plant-based diet can even affect um, in a positive way the expression of our genes telling us that you know our genes are not our destiny and we have the ability to change the expression and therefore our health outcomes and one of the major players in um, the generation of chronic illness and inflammation is the health of our gut microbiome and we know that our gut microbiome thrives on a fiber-rich polyphenol-rich diet which really essentially means eating a variety of whole plant foods Um, and just bringing it back to cancer um, what's really exciting now is that we're realizing that the way people respond to cancer therapies and so if you've got a diagnosis of cancer and you're 
having treatment delivered to you by cancer doctors like myself, the outcome with those treatments can be positively influenced by the health of the gut microbiome. So the healthier the gut microbiome, the more diverse it is, the more chance you have of responding and getting into remission from these newer anti-cancer therapies, which is really exciting because you can make an instant change to the health of your gut microbiome. Within days or weeks, you can allow the gut microbes to flourish if you feed it, them, fiber, or all the nutrients you find in plant foods. Now you probably already know that you get protein from the animals that you eat, like cows, pigs, and chickens. But where do those animals get the protein that they need to make the muscles that you eat? That's right, plants. They get it from eating plants. And it's not just those animals. Some of the strongest animals on the planet are herbivores, like elephants, rhinos, and gorillas. Whoa, beast mode, bro. Those are big animals. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about a plant-based diet that you've encountered over and over again? Yeah, um, I, I might have to give you two because when you read the medical literature, the two terms that come up constantly um, when describing plant-based or vegan diets is restrictive and deficient. And, you know, we all know here that that's far from the truth. You know, it's full of abundance. We've got over 20,000 edible plants. Um, you know, variety increases as soon as you start considering all the different types of plant foods you can include in your, in your diet. So to call it restrictive doesn't describe what my diet is. And then people talk about deficiencies. You know, a vegan diet is deficient in this nutrient and that nutrient. But actually, any diet pattern you choose has sort of pros and cons that need to be addressed by a small amount of knowledge and, and skills in preparing foods. And that's been shown by a huge um, analysis of 141 papers recently that showed that regardless of which diet you choose to have, a meat-based diet, a plant-based diet, you just need to pay attention to different but important nutrients. And given the health benefits and the benefits to planetary health from a plant-based diet, the authors conclude, well, we should be encouraging the knowledge and skills and access to a healthy plant based diet is the default one in our society at present. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I can answer it better than Shireen, but really what I hear from my patients all the time is that this is going to be something that's really difficult and unachievable. And I think that whilst everybody is able to do, you know, to change or transition to a plant-based diet on different levels, like some people will just do it one small step at a time and other people will really overhaul their diet pretty quickly. I think that the message to kind of combat this misconception that it could be difficult is that it doesn't need to be. You know, it's never been easier. We've never had so much choice. And even though I think it takes a bit of education about the nutrition basics, like that's definitely important. I think that it's something that we can all do. We all have the power to transition towards a healthy plant-based diet. Why is it you feel like people wouldn't want to be vegan? Is it the sacrifice or do you feel like the vegan community are positive with spreading their message? The messenger matters a bit, but people will say, uh, well, I would go vegan, but that, that person was rude to me or they're not, not positive or their mm -hmm. movement's not positive. Um, I think that that's usually an excuse <laughs> because they don't actually want to because mm. they, they habitually eat meat. Yeah. They like, they prefer the taste yeah. and it's inconvenient for them to change. Yeah. The animal's lives and suffering does not, on the scale, weigh enough for them to change their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. And, they, and then what happens is they, they begin to look for ways out of it and excuses out of it. That's mm -hmm. what I see most commonly. It's hard to explain like what goes on to animals 
in a positive way. There is, yeah, yeah. It's like explaining the worst suffering and violence that happens on Earth on the mass scale. There's overwhelming research and evidence about the health benefits of a plant-based diet, but why do you think there are still so many people who seem so reluctant and so skeptical, Shireen, about the power of this type of eating? Yeah, that's a really difficult question to answer concisely because I think there's so many factors that influence our diet choice, you know, from our social and cultural norms to those habits that we form from the moment we're born, essentially, and what we've been exposed to, our sort of access and um, ability to buy um, healthy foods, but also, you know, the industry influence and the media and the messaging that we are exposed to. I believe I read some stats that, you know, fruit and vegetable advertising only sort of uses about 5% of food industry budget um, for, for that sort of thing. And the rest of the media and, and industry budget towards advertising foods is really from the kind of, you know, big um, corporate companies that are selling industrial industrialized processed foods um, and of course the meat and dairy um, lobby and their budgets are huge compared to the advertising and resources behind plant-based products so I think all of those factors um, play into it and then I, I guess for myself and Laura more acutely it's the fact that our education system hasn't really caught up with the science, despite the science having been available to us for several decades now, you know, we weren't taught about plant-based um, diets um, within clinical practice. And although it's becoming more common because of all the advocacy we're trying to do and getting that embedded, it's going to take time for the medical profession to endorse this. And we sort of know that physicians and healthcare professionals are going to recommend lifestyle habits that they're more used to. So, you know, Laura and I will be recommending plant-based diets, but our meat-eating colleagues will not be because they'll say, well, uh, you know, but everything in moderation and meat is necessary because that's what they've been exposed to um, in their education and in their upbringing. Turning the conversation now onto plant-based health online, over to you, Dr. Laura. How, where did this idea come from? Where did it all uh, start? Plant-based health online is our online lifestyle medicine healthcare service and that focuses on plant-based nutrition. And I mean, we really started to work on it shortly after the pandemic began in 2020. And, you know, at that time I had personally moved my consultations with my patients online. I couldn't see them face-to-face -face any longer. And I was really kind of pleasantly surprised at how well that was working. You know, suddenly everyone, you know, was getting to grip with Zoom calls and video calls and that just became the kind of normal thing to do. You know, it wasn't so strange to see your doctor on an online video call. And then lifestyle medicine itself lent itself really well to that type of practice. You know, the focus is mostly on managing the chronic long-term conditions that Shireen's mentioned, you know, heart disease and type 2 diabetes, for example, not acute conditions where you need to see your doctor urgently or be examined for example and then so at that around that same time we were kind of watching our American colleagues like Neil Bernard who heads up PCRM the Physician Committee of Responsible Medicine and they had started virtual lifestyle medicine consultations and I think I remember Shireen messaged me one morning and said you know is this something that we could do here in the UK but ultimately it's it's really come about because Shireen and I are both really passionate about using lifestyle medicine in practice and often seeing that our patients are not really being offered this elsewhere. Um, and so we really wanted to make lifestyle medicine more mainstream and allow it to become more accessible to, to more people. So I guess that's how Plant Based Health Online was, was born. Tell us a little bit about some of the educational programs and resources that you have developed um, on Plant Based Health Online. How does it all work? Yeah, I mean, the educa educational resources are really on the Plant Based Health 
professional website, which is our sister organization that Shireen founded. And really, you just need to spend a couple of minutes on the website to see how many incredible resources there are and they're, you know, free and available to everybody. There's weekly roundups of the most recent evidence. You know, Shireen does an incredible job of making this very easy and accessible for everybody. Um, there's webinars every other week led by Rahini Bajeko. And so these are free CPDs for healthcare practitioners. One of my favorite resources, and it's one of my go-to with my patients, is the fact sheets, which cover so many topics like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, migraines. I mean, there's just so many topics covered. Presenting plant-based and lifestyle information in a really easy, concise way for patients. There's also a new um, children's section and for members, there's monthly journal clubs too. So, I mean, there's really something for everybody there. So obviously you talked about two different organizations there, Laura. You've got the Plant-Based Health Online and Plant-Based Health Professionals. What are people looking for when they come to both of these services? Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's, there's a lot of you know, overlap there, like our logo and the branding is very similar, but they are two distinct separate entities in themselves. So Plant-Based Health Professionals is the education and advocacy group. Plant-Based Health Online is a community interest company that Shireen and I um, launched just last year. And that's our CQC regulated lifestyle medicine healthcare service where Patients can access us through our website to make either one-to-one video appointments or group appointments to kind of go through their plant-based lifestyle medicine approach for whatever health condition they would want to see us for. How does this work for patients? Obviously, this is people in the UK or is this anyone anywhere in the world? How, 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 what kind of people can, can use the service? Yeah, so at the moment we are seeing patients within the UK, but it's for anybody and everyone, like whether they are plant-based or not, and whether they have a health condition or not. You know, we have some patients who just want to book a consultation because they're being proactive about their health and taking taking a more preventative approach. So it's really for everybody and, and they can access us through our, our website, which is plantbasedhealthonline.com. Some people might ask, can I get referred through my private health care or the NHS or how, how does that work? Yeah, so at the moment, I mean, those are all things that we're hoping for in the future. At the moment, patients can just book themselves directly and um, through our website. Amazing. Awesome. So my next question is really about the, the, the patients themselves. This plant-based diet nutrition revolution has helped a lot of people, hasn't it? And what are some of the benefits that your patients can see directly from making the switch? Yeah, I mean, this is really getting to the best bit and the thing that kind of drives me and and keeps me going in this work. And the benefits that our our patients feel from moving to a plant-based diet are just so extensive. I think the most common things that I hear the most from our patients are actually the things that are quite difficult to measure. So they'll often say that they feel lighter, they feel more energetic, they just feel better. Many of our patients report that they've lost some weight, that they're sleeping better. But from my point of view as a GP, I think the most exciting things are to watch people reduce their blood pressure or reduce their cholesterol and often without medication. So that is really, really rewarding work. And our dietitian, uh, Lisa Simon, she does a lot of work with patients who have digestive problems or inflammatory bowel disease. And many of her patients have improved their symptoms or even achieved remission, which is really amazing. Uh, Lisa also specializes in fertility. So she works with couples who have had difficulty conceiving. And I think she gets um, the most reward from her patients who some months after, you know, working with her will write to her and tell her that, that they've become pregnant. So, I mean, these benefits are are really incredible. 
Fantastic. Yeah, it's great to hear those stories. As uh, healthcare providers that focus on prevention and the management of chronic conditions, could you talk a bit about the role of nutrition and lifestyle in the process of prevention and long-term management of health conditions? Because obviously it's not just about changing what you eat, it's a whole way of thinking and living. You know, I was thinking about this question that always um, kind of brings me back to this light bulb moment I had when I kind of realised this connection between nutrition and lifestyle and, and chronic conditions. And it was when I was sitting listening to Dean Ornish talk you might know as one of the pioneers of plant-based lifestyle medicine and up on one of his slides he showed this cartoon of these two doctors who were frantically mopping water off the floor and then in the background not too far behind them was this sink and the taps were on and the water was overflowing and this kind of took me back and made me think of all the patients that I had treated or used medications for you know reducing blood pressure or statins or diabetic medications which of course are important for so many people but I think about how often kind of before I got into plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine, how often I used them without addressing the real cause of their problems. And so I felt like, you know, I had been really treating the symptoms and maybe improving some of their numbers, like their blood pressure, for example, but the damage was kind of still being done in the background. Um, And then so with a bit of research after that, like it didn't take me very long and it was very clear how much unhealthy diets and unhealthy lifestyles were fueling the rise in the common chronic diseases that we see now. And Shireen touched on this phrase that we hear in lifestyle medicine. I think it's so important here. And it's that your DNA is not your destiny because we know that actually your genes have a very small part to play in the variance of your health outcomes and actually diet and lifestyle have a much, much bigger part to play. And there's just so much research that proves that many of the common chronic diseases, like we've mentioned, like heart disease and type 2 diabetes, are caused by unhealthy diets, which Shreen said, you know, causes disruption in the microbiome, cellular stress and injury, which then results in chronic inflammation, which is what is driving these diseases. You know, we know that 80% of chronic diseases are attributable to five main risk factors. So unhealthy diet, lack of physical activity, smoking, alcohol and air pollution. We've got other studies that have looked at the impact of healthy lifestyle factors, you know, showing that if you maintain a healthy weight, you follow a healthy diet, you keep active, you don't smoke and you drink only a moderate amount of alcohol, you know, you can reduce your risk of heart disease by around 80% and cancer death by about 65%. I mean, these statistics are so incredible. And so there really is just so much evidence to show that a healthy plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle factors can go a really long way to prevent these diseases, but they can also be used either by themselves or along with more conventional you know medications or practices to treat these diseases and in some cases even reverse them it's really quite incredible amazing such inspiring insights there a plant-based diet is proven to be more sustainable ethical overall better for the environment but it's also objectively better for our health and our health outcomes a plant-based diet is one of the sort of key factors in helping people reduce incidences of heart disease type 2 diabetes stroke obesity more forms of cancer and dementia as you both have mentioned what are some of the health issues or concerns that people you work with have shared and how are you working with them to overcome them and to create long-term change in health and lifestyle so what is the process that you'd use to work with people because obviously there is sort of you know education and advocacy around nutrition but as doctors it can be a real challenge to help people make those changes so what are what is your what is your process for helping getting people off what is frankly you know an incredibly addictive way of eating and living it really is an individualized approach and then kind of going back to you know the health concerns that we see first and because at plant-based health online we see such a 
range of patients with such a wide variety of health issues. I think I most commonly see people with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, but also hormonal or menstrual problems, you know, thyroid disorders or people living with different types of cancers. Um, I mentioned before that our dietitian Lisa specialises in digestive health, inflammatory bowel disease, but also fertility. Um, So she sees a lot of these patients too. Um, And then we're also running group programs. So we see a lot of different patients within those, you know, type 2 diabetes or those people who are trying to reach a healthier weight or even prehabilitation for people who have a surgical procedure coming up. We kind of help these patients either on a one-to-one basis or either within the group setting which is a really wonderful way of kind of connecting with people who are living through similar experiences as as you might be. But ultimately, it comes back to this personalised approach, whether it's a one-to-one or whether it's in the group programme. And we have patients who are all at different stages of their journey. You know, we have some people who are very early on or maybe just curious about plant-based diets and they really need much more hand-holding than people who have been plant-based for a long time or vegan for a long time and they really just need an expert eye on some of, some of their food diaries, for example. So no matter, you know, whether it is in the one-to-one consultations or the group consultations, it's got to come back to meeting the patients where they are at the time of their appointment, like finding out what's important for them, like what's going to be driving, you know, their motivation, their commitment to change and what their health goals are. And then coming up with a plan that's going to work with them and tackle whatever condition it is that they've, they've come to us with. Other than diet, what are some of the other things that we should be doing and considering about changing in our lifestyle to help improve our overall well-being? So I think that this is really important. I mean, we do focus mostly on a plant-based diet because I think this is really what drives the most change. But it's certainly not the only factor which is important for, you know, improving our general well-being. In fact, you could be eating a really healthy plant-based diet, but you could not be sleeping and not exercising and lead a really stressful life and that wouldn't necessarily be healthy. So we have to factor in all these pillars of health. And in lifestyle medicine, there are six pillars, so nutrition is just one of them. Getting regular exercise and staying physically active is another. Sleeping well, managing stress effectively, avoiding risky substances like smoking, alcohol and vaping, and also having strong social connections, like all these things together is what's going to bring about best health. Over to you now, Shireen. Earlier this year, you published your first book, Eating Plant-Based, Scientific Answers to Your Nutrition Questions, which you co-authored with your sister, Zara. In the book, you debunk some of the myths that still persist about meat and dairy products and address the commonly asked questions and concerns around switching to a plant-based diet. Tell us about the inspiration to write this book and what are some of the things that you hope people will get after reading it. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Um, it's been a really exciting journey uh, writing this with my sister, who has a shared passion for promoting plant-based diets as part of an overall healthy lifestyle, and she's based in Canada. One of the inspirations was that when we both became vegan back in 2013, we read the book Eat Like You Care by Gary Francioni, which was a Q&A, you know, question and answer book on the reasons and the pushback that you get about, you know, leading a vegan lifestyle and what that means. And that, that was really really helpful to us because as soon as you change your diet and become vegan everyone has all these questions that takes time to be able to answer coherently and confidently and so that was a book that really helped us in the sort of ethical side of the veganism and when we look at sort of all the abundance of books out there there wasn't 
quite the equivalent one for plant-based diets. And we've both been um, spending the last sort of three, four, five years of our um, uh, plant-based journey educating um, the public and health professionals. And the same questions come up over and over again. So we thought, well, why not just put it together in a resource that will make our life easy? And hopefully it'll give people, so that's um, the general public, healthcare professionals, everyone, the confidence that if you make that decision to transition to a plant-based diet, you can be confident that you will be able to live a, a healthy and optimally healthy life and even thrive. We're delighted to have Kate Strong, who's um, a, a record holder in cycling the furthest on a static bike. Um, and she's broken world records on that on a plant-based diet. So we not only wanted to tell people that you can um, live well on a plant-based diet, but you can actually achieve your sort of optimal physical performance if that's what you want to do. And of course, you know, having um, it science-based with a load of references at the back will hopefully be a good resource for my colleagues um, who are increasingly meeting people who are wanting to transition to plant-based diet, because as you say, the benefits are for our own health, the planet, and of course, the animals. Absolutely. The benefits are immense. And if you do want to get that book, we will include the link in the description below. So moving on to the idea of perfection, some might say don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. But <laughs> if we are going to ask about perfection, firstly, is there such a thing as a perfect diet? And if there is a perfect diet, Dr. Shireen, what does it consist of? Yeah, no, you're right. And I think that's where Laura excels, because she does um, meet the patient or the person where they are on that journey because we can't you know we want to encourage everyone to make whatever change they're able to make and um, but when it comes to what the science tells us about the healthy components of a diet I don't think there's any debate I think your diet has to have an abundance of fruit vegetables whole grains legumes which are you know things like beans and peas and chickpeas and pulses and nuts and seeds and lots of herbs and spices for their um, health benefits but also to make your food um, enjoyable mainly water for thirst but if you enjoy it tea and coffee is absolutely fine that's what um, really delivers um, best health what you do around the edges comes down a little bit to personal choice um, but um, the closer you get to only including those sort of five six um, main food groups as it were the better your health will be amazing so what about supplements? Are there any particular supplements that you recommend alongside a plant-based diet? Because let's be honest, when you walk into a health food store, there is a usually a wall of pills and potions that people uh, are greeted with when they enter these places. And it can frankly be quite overwhelming to know what we should and shouldn't be taking. And are we being ripped off with a lot of these things? But let's keep it simple. What, what are some of the things that we should absolutely have from a supplementation process? So um, when it comes to 100% plant-based diet, Diet, we all need to make sure we've got a regular and reliable source of vitamin B12. And that's the main one on a plant-based or a healthy vegan diet. You can get that from fortified foods or a supplement. And I think Laura and I both find it easier to just you know, stick with a daily or a weekly supplement. And that's kind of what we advise for our patients. And then there's other nutrients that you need to be aware of and know where you're getting them from. And that's no different um, regardless of your diet pattern. So for us in the UK and 
northern hemisphere in general, you know, vitamin D is a, an issue um, mainly acquired from direct sunlight on the skin. And most of us are deficient in that due to poor exposure to the sunlight at the moment. So vitamin D is really important for all of us, regardless of um, diet pattern. Um, and then you need to know where you're getting your iodine. Um, there's different sources of iodine, but, you know, globally, iodine deficiency is a problem for whatever diet pattern you're on. In an omnivorous diet, people get it as a sort of byproduct of the dairy industry. You know, it's added to cow's um, feed and also part of the sanitizing procedure. So if you're not consuming dairy, you need to consider that as a source. And maybe you'll decide that a supplement is your best option. Other options might be fortified and um, plant-based milks or um, from um, seaweed such as nori. So you just have to decide and know where you're going to get it from. And then there's a bit of an open debate about omega-3 supplements, so the long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, DHA, EPA. You certainly need to supplement with that on a plant-based diet during pregnancy and lactation. But as I say, there's a bit of an open question about whether everyone on a plant-based diet should supplement, especially as they get older, to protect brain health. We don't have any evidence that there's any detriment to brain health on a plant-based diet. Most of us would recommend making sure you've got a good source of short chain um, omega-3 fatty acids through plant sources like um, hemp seeds and flax seeds, walnuts, um, chia seeds, that sort of thing. It's an interesting conversation around the DHA because I think a lot of people are worried about brain health and about things like dementia. Our brain is actually predominantly made of fat, isn't it? If we are eating a bad vegan diet, as in like we are not including things like hemp seeds and walnuts and we're not having uh, an omega-3 supplement from algae algae or algae is there a danger that we are setting ourselves up for long-term cognitive decline because we are not being cognizant of these types of my are they micronutrients is it a is it a good sort of safe bet to, to add these things into our diet or should we just not really worry at all about them are there is there any harm by adding them yeah, so I mean, I guess if we look at the scientific literature, there's no evidence of harm from a vegetarian or vegan diet. So there's been two sort of main publications, one in the 1990s from the Adventist Health Cohort that actually showed that people who were not eating meat and fish had a reduced risk of decline in brain function, but it was preliminary results. And then just a few weeks ago, we had a report from the Taiwanese um, vegetarian cohort, the sushi cohort, that looked at dementia in meat eaters versus vegetarians. And actually, vegetarians had a significantly reduced risk. And these were people who were not consuming fish, which would be the usual source of the long chain fatty acids. So as far as we can tell, we're not doing ourselves harm. But there's a sort of open theoretical concern that's difficult to know whether we're going to ever be able to answer. Dr. Dean Ornish is currently doing a study of his sort of low fat whole food plant based diet in people with mild and early cognitive impairment. So we might get um, a bit more of an answer once his study reports. But my overall feeling is we're not doing ourselves any harm because the main factors increasing the risk of dementia are a meat heavy saturated fat heavy diet and also what we forget is that it's the underlying health conditions like cardiovascular disease type 2 diabetes you know inflammatory conditions that really are predicting that increased risk of dementia so if you're getting rid of all that risk of underlying chronic illness especially in your middle age and middle life and when those risk factors really come into play that your future risk of dementia will be significantly reduced. So that's my perspective on it. But as always, you know, more research would be great. Some good advice there. Over to you, Dr. Laura. There are lots of resources and information and advice out there. But in your observation, what do you think is lacking 
as far as access to information when it comes to plant-based nutrition. There's a lot of opportunity for conversation, but it can be a bit of a challenge for people to know where to begin. But, you know, are there any gaps that really need filling? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to kind of frame that question that way. And I think maybe, I think there are so many excellent resources. And of course, I think that Shireen's book is is really, of course, I'm very biased, but I do think it's one of the best bits (laughs) available. And I've read a lot of plant-based books in the last six years. I think more than there being gaps or anything lacking, I think it's more that it's really difficult for people who are maybe not so in tune to read the scientific evidence or the latest research to really pick out what's true and what's helpful. And so I almost think it's the opposite is true. Like there's just an abundance of information or a lot of misinformation. And it can be hard for somebody who is not so used to interpreting scientific evidence to figure out exactly what is best for health. I think that's hopefully where myself and Shireen come in is that, you know, we can work through these things. And we do think that the message is very clear that a healthy plant-based diet is one of the healthiest choices that you can make. And I would agree with that. (laughs) So there's obviously, we've talked about lots of resources and it's true. There is a volume of stuff out there, but what are some of both from, this is to both of you, what are your top resources as far as books, podcasts, and websites go? Uh, Could you just name maybe two or three of each of those? That would be great. Well, I guess it comes with a lot of bias, but um, plantbasedhealthprofessionals.com, we've spent the last three, four years populating the website with really sort of evidence-based information and easily downloadable fact sheets on on a variety of conditions. I look at the site and have forgotten that we've even had fact sheets on certain conditions. So um, just to have a look at um, plantbasedhealthprofessionals.com under the fact sheet section. And we've adapted the UK's dietary guideline um, and made it into a plant-based eat well guide. So really following the guidance, but making sure people know how to get all their nutrients through just a plant-based diet. And actually it was so easy to do because it's really translatable into a plant-based diet. So that's the first reason source anyone new to a plant-based diet should look for and you know book wise I guess you know thinking back to which books were kind of seminal for me I think you know Becoming Vegan by Brenda Davis I actually really enjoyed Eat to Live by Joel Furman and then you know it depends which areas of um, healthcare you're interested in if you're interested in brain health I would check out the resources and books and podcasts by the Sherzai's that's um, Dean and Aisha Sherzai based in Loma Linda yeah those are just a few off the top my head (laughs) amazing thank you and you dr laura what are your some of your top faves yeah so i i also love the ones that shireen mentioned and brenda davis wrote another book with rish masha who's a pediatrician called nourish um, and i love that one so it's written so beautifully and it has a focus on families and and helping you know young children or teenage children it has some great recipes in it as well and then simon hill's podcast and his book um the proof is in the plants has to be one of my favorites as well like it's really evidence-based but it's very accessible and um that's probably one of the and one of my favorites as well. So when it comes to making a shift to this lifestyle, people are generally very hesitant, whether it's cultural reasons or something they've heard in the media. You might have seen a Daily Mail article that says switching to a plant-based diet is going to kill you or something equally horrific. What do we say, what do you say as health professionals to people who are hesitant? I mean, I just go back to the common sense. So, you know, I think if we really just sit back and look away from the constant, you know, mis-messaging that we intrinsically know that eating fruits and 
and vegetables are healthy. And so if anyone's going to do just one thing to positively impact their health is really try and achieve the five fruits and vegetables a day and then go for more like nine or 10 portions of fruits and vegetables a day. Because it's quite clear that, you know, most of the UK public are not even meeting those requirements. You know, most of us are fibre deficient. So just really to go back to, to, to key core principles of healthy diet and, you know, just start adding in um, those healthy foods, which will slowly crowd out all the other foods that perhaps will have been sort of littering your diet and not been contributing to your good health. And you, Dr. Laura, what are, what are some of your tips to, to say to people when they come across rather hesitant about the suggestion of dropping animal products? Yeah, I mean, I think it's helpful to be kind of curious about their hesitancy, right? Like, it's interesting to kind of actually understand what that hesitancy is about. So that would be the first thing. And then I think that there is always one thing that everybody has that's important important to them that matters to them Um, and whether it's you know to be healthy for their children or whether it's to prevent a disease that they watch their parents have for example so really kind of tapping into that to use it as motivation because it can be difficult it can be you know a challenge to go against the grain or you know maybe what your family or friends or even what your doctor might be telling you to do but I think when you get clear on why you're doing it and why it's important to you it's a really helpful way to make these changes become more meaningful and therefore more sustainable. Well, that's all we've got time for. Before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests this one final question. And if you do listen to the PBM podcast, you know what's coming next. If you were both stuck on a desert island and it was just you and a pig, you're both on your own desert island with your own pig. So I'll ask you first, Dr. Shireen, if you were stuck on that desert island and I could give you one book, one music album and one vegan dish, what would you take with you? Oh, goodness. I wasn't um, expecting that, nor have prepared for it. But in terms of the vegan dish, it would have to just be a really tasty, fragrant dal with rice, you know, is the classic comfort food for for Indian homes. So my mum's dal and rice, definitely. (laughs) For um, music, I'm a classical music lover. So any sort of uh, Chopin or Brahms or or something like that. And book-wise, well, (laughs) oh, gosh. I'm struggling. I'm going to go over to Laura. <laughs> <laughs> now, one fic- fictional book, anything from your life that's uh, that's inspired you. I'm not, I'm not going to let you get away. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I think, I think the change that really did come for me was from reading the plant-based book. So it's going to have to be um, something like um, Brenda Davis's Becoming Vegan. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for that. And you, Dr. Laura, one book, one music album, uh, one vegan dish, what would you take with you? Yeah, see, I'm under pressure now. should maybe have had more time to think about this. Um, if it was a dish, I mean, I think it's got to be exactly what I had for breakfast this morning, which is porridge and berries and hemp seeds, because that's just a dish that I could eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner if I needed to. For a book, I don't know. I mean, there is one book from my childhood that I read and read and read again which is Rebecca but if I'm thinking about a book that really changed my life then it's Michael Greger's How Not to Die so I know it's maybe a bit outdated now I'm not so sure I can't remember the date that he wrote it but but that was really the book that changed um, everything for me personally and professionally and then music oh gosh I don't know that I have the best taste in music I don't even know that I could name an album for you 
So what's an artist that you love, that you'd love to listen to? And um, well, I am going to see Ed Sheeran in June in Glasgow. And so that's something I'm super excited about. So I'll just go with him. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the PBN podcast. What a pleasure to sit down with you both and hear a bit of your story. Thanks so much, Robbie. Great to have chatted to you. Thanks for joining us on the PBN podcast, everyone. I've been your host, Robbie Lockin. We'll be back next week with more food, fashion, veganism, animals, and everything in between.